Sorry about that. Must have been the devil. That's what it was. <laughs> Got to blame it on somebody, hadn't I? Said. Wow. You know, you, you folks are something. I was just been thinking today, what a, what a joy just to be here at Hosanna with you guys and with Pastor Larry and Nancy, Jeff, and Charlene, and all of you all, and wow, see Tom tonight. And, uh, you treat us like we're somebody. You know, you just treat us so good. You make, make you want to go home, stay house, move to St. Joe or something, you know. It's just good. Do you, you ever notice that Christians, when they meet, it don't take them long that they feel part of each other. I mean, you, somebody in the world is not that way, but you meet another believer, and my goodness. So you guys are something. Thank you for your graciousness. It's just been wonderful, and we still got a, a, a little time to go, and want to just be obedient to the Lord. I, I, with all my heart, I, I um, don't want to fail the Lord, nor you, while I'm here. You know, I didn't drive 11 hours here for nothing. I mean, you know, I came, we came, trusting God that when we arrived, God would do what he wanted to do. And let me just say this to you. My dear friend, you probably don't know him, but our dear friend Ray Hughes, who's a prophet in his own right, singer, musician, incredible, one of the most incredible men I've ever met in my life. Uh, I was with him a few months ago with June and I and uh, Ray and his wife Denise. We were out just bumming around. And he just right out of the blue looked at me and said, Doc, God's always big. But big is not always God. You need to write that down somewhere in your brain. God's always big, but because it's big, don't mean it's God. I mean, no, you can get a rock concert and get 10,000 people. That don't mean it's good. So God, I, I noticed this about God when I read the Bible. You know, every time God got ready to do something so phenomenal, he got a little group together. Anytime he wanted to feed them, he got a bunch. So Sunday, y'all come and bring a bologna sandwich. <laughs> I'm just telling you that tonight, uh, we've talked about layers. As I just want to, you know, I, to be honest with you, I went home last night and I said, honey, I felt like a colossal failure. It just wasn't, it just, you know, I mean, you know, if, if Billy Graham was raised from the dead to walk in here and say, oh, that was good, Doc, I'd go, yeah, thanks. But have you know, when you get that thing, it has to come from in here to satisfy it. Nothing out here will fix it. You just know that God did something, but he wanted to do more, and I think it was in me. So anyway, so tonight we're just going to go to the next level. We talked about first night, did you remember, if you were here, if you're not, the first night we talked about uh, the currency of heaven, that that our hunger, our thirst is what gets us to the throne. It's faith that receives. We, and I said, and I, let me repeat myself, 
The beauty of it all is that we learn to hear, and what we hear, we learn to believe, and what we believe, we learn to say, and what we learn to say, we learn to receive. That's just God's plan. That's the way it works. I can show it to you in the Bible. So we talked about our hunger and thirst. Last night, we just, just talked about the grain of wheat falling in the ground to die. Because all of us were born, first of all, after God himself who created us in our likeness and image, but in the fifth chapter of Genesis, Adam's third son was in Adam's image, not the image of God because of the fall. So since Adam, all men and women have been born with a fallen Adamic nature. Do you understand? Men and women by nature are not born good. They're born selfish. There's not one, and this is what the Bible says, there's not one righteous, not one. And so Adam couldn't fix it, so what did God do but send his son as the second Adam to fix it? And he did come, as you well know. The word became flesh, dwelt among us. And now here we are tonight. So what's the next level? When his son came, he came to save us and to redeem a people that he would call his bride. Or the, the Bible calls it in Revelation, and the lamb's wife has made herself ready. I love that scripture. So there is... After, after the cross and the empty tomb, there was 40 days later the ascension where Jesus ascended back at the right hand of the Father and sat down, which no priest had ever sat down because the priest repeated the sacrifice the next year at Passover. But this priest, on the cross, declared, it is finished. So when he sat down, now, not only can he redeem the bride, but he can give to the bride what his heart's desire is. And the desire of the lamb is to dress up his wife and make her look good. I can tell you right now, I've, I've been married a long time. And June's not old. I married her when she was five. But anyway. <laughs> but my desire, I, I, I'll do whatever I can to help her dress the way she wants to dress. And she's not a flamboyant dresser. I don't mean that. But I want to tell you something tonight. I want to talk to you about something Jesus wants to give the bride. It, it, it uh, is what he died to give. And so I want to talk to you about out of Acts chapter 1 as we'll begin. And what I want to do tonight is to show you some things that I, in this spirit-filled church, this is like preaching to the choir. I know that. I'm trying to be obedient to the Lord. I believe tonight two things are going to happen. Other than the fact of healings, deliverance, whatever might need to take place. I believe two things are going to happen. Number one, there's going to be people here tonight that are hungry for God, that's going to get under the spout and be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. The second thing is going to happen tonight. There's going to be those who have been are going to get uh, renewed 
tonight. I mean, the, how many of you know you can have fire in the fireplace or you can throw some wood on it and have a big fire in the fireplace? And I don't think we ought to be satisfied with a little, uh, a little flame in the, in, in the fireplace when in fact we've got wood. Let's stoke it. Let's burn. Let, you know, they tell me this. I cannot document it, but I've been told this, that years ago when Christians met each other, you know what they would say? Are you burning? And you know, we got enough smoke. We need some fire. That's what I want to talk about tonight. So Acts chapter 1, uh, we'll, we'll just look at it. Why are you turning there? Let me say this to you. How many of you know that God's called us to do what they did in the book of Acts? When, when did God change his mind and call us to live a lower life than the original church lived? So if we are called to do what they did, come on now, we're going to have to have what they had. Isn't that right? I mean, come on now. Uh, if we're going to do what they did, and, and we're called to do that, then we've got to find out what they had. And then enter into it and walk in it. Because I say it again, I've already said it. I prophesy this out of my heart. I believe that we are going, that God is putting his bride right back into the book of Acts. And we're going to relive, if you will, the book of Acts all over again into the greatest move of God perhaps this earth has ever seen. And I believe in the middle of that move where, where some of the prophets are saying they believe billions will come into the kingdom. But in the middle of all of that, in the middle of all of that hell breaking loose, I believe in the middle of all of that, one morning I'm going to get up and go brush my teeth in between the bedroom, hallelujah, and the bathroom quicker than I can blink my eye. I'll hear the trumpet sound and we're out of here, hallelujah. But come on now, we're going out of here in a blaze of glory. We're not going out of here whining and pining, sitting over somewhere. Oh, Jesus, hurry up and come, but we ain't going to make it. We're going to make it because he that lives in us is bigger than he who lives out there in the world. So God's got to do something for the bride. And I'm telling you, he's going to start with some of us tonight. Amen. So if we're going to do what they did, and I think we want to, we've got to have what they had. So, I mean, that's simple enough. And, and uh, you know, I used, to, yeah, used to go, I used to play racquetball a lot, and I like to play racquetball. I'd go in the gym, exercise a little bit, and there was a brother that came to the church where we pastored. I mean, his biceps are bigger than my leg. I mean, he did these, <laughs> he did these professional things, you know, where they do all that. You know that. He did that. And his name was Stan, and it was so funny. I used to walk up to him and I say, Stan, you give me vision. He just laughed. It's this little old skinny body, vision, you ain't never going to make it. But how many of you know if Stan could have seen who was inside? <laughs> Smith Wigglesworth said, you bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. So don't look at that gray hair or no hair like, the mo like some of us. And don't you look at that scrawny body or that big swelled up body, whatever it looks like. You look at the mirror and go, he who lives in me is bigger than what the devil's trying to do out there. And right tonight, God has ordained me being here. And I'm not going to get in that car like I walked in this building. Hallelujah. That kind of hunger will move you forward 
to what God gave the book of Acts all over again. Now, it says in verse 4, Acts 1, this is the new King James. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. Notice what he said. Jesus told his disciples, I've been talking to you about this. This wasn't the first time they heard it. And then he says, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, see, they still didn't get it. Because they said, Lord, when are you going to, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? That's what they wanted, Israel's kingdom back. And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons, which the Father uh, has put in his own authority, but, everybody say but. That means a conjunction, but you don't know when God's going to do that with Israel, but. This but will get you over here. You can have it after the but. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. You know this. I'm preaching again to the choir. You know, he said, when the power of God comes on you, you will be a witness. The word there is the Greek word martos, or no, depends on the ending you put on it. But it's where we get our word martyr. Jesus just now said, under the power of God, you're going to lay down your life for the gospel's sake. When the power is working in you. That's what we talked about last night. See, that is a must that the grain of wheat fall in the ground and die. Jesus said, the power gets on you, you'll lay down your life. Hallelujah. Look at verse 5 quickly. In verse 5, Jesus said, for John baptized with water, but you shall be. Now, shall be meaning you can't get it now, but you can get it later. Let me say later. All right. Then he says in verse 8, watch, and I want you to see the, the future, and you shall, not you can't get this now, but when I sit down at the right hand of the Father, I now can send him to do in you what I care, what I care. Let, let me just say this to you. The, Jesus got two baptisms. We talked about uh, dinner tonight. Jesus walked into the Jordan River with John the Baptist. John baptized him in water, came up out of the water, and the Spirit of God came on him and baptized him again. He got two baptisms. That was his inauguration. It was the mantle Jesus carried all during his ministry. He had a mantle. Now, mantle was an outer garment, very loose. And if you, if, if you study the Scriptures, you, you'll find... Uh, 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 and I looked at it and I go, wow, Moses passed this mantle to Joshua. Did he not? And then, listen, Elijah passed his to Elisha. Did he not? Hallelujah. And Jesus is passing his mantle to his bride, and he's doing it in the power and the authority of the Spirit and the Word. That's the mantle Jesus carried, and he's giving that mantle to us. Hallelujah. Now, you, you have your Bible open there. Just look to the left. Now, let, let me try to illustrate this. How many of you know when, when Jesus was conceived by the Virgin Mary over here on this side, he's still living under the old covenant. 
Did you understand? John the baptizer is preaching under the old covenant. But John's message is, and I'll give you some of it, he points somewhere. He's the forerunner. He said, I am a, I'm not the one, but I'm a voice. How many of you know we need some voices, not echoes? In the pulpit, we need some men and women that are hearing what God's saying and thundering from the pulpit. Thus says the Lord, we don't need to be some recording. We need to be a voice of one crying in the wilderness. That was John. But over on this side, now listen to me, on this side under the old covenant, nobody got born again. You understand? Under the old covenant, nobody got born again. Well, how did they go to heaven? They believed God, and it was accounted to them as righteousness. Now, I'm going to illustrate it to you. If I can, yeah, I can do it. Get this State Farm card out here. What they did under the old covenant, every time the priest on Passover went and slay the lamb, he laid, for the sins of Israel, he laid the credit card out. And God looked at the credit card and went, ka-ching. How many of you know, if I use this thing on the way home tonight, somebody's going to pay the bill. I mean, it's a lot of fun to use, but don't ever think about paying the bill. Come on now. So all during the old covenant, you know what they did? Credit card. Accounted to righteousness. Credit card. How many of you know then Jesus showed up at the second Adam to pay your credit card? All of the old covenant, the credit card was paid. Hallelujah. So, but under, on this side, under the old covenant, nobody got born again. They couldn't. Why? They were still in debt and nobody could pay their sin debt. But the Lamb of God that would come and pay it in full because he paid a debt he didn't know because I owed a debt I couldn't pay. And they couldn't either. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you fill in the blank. But what would happen? What would happen if Jesus were to die, and he did, on the cross? What would happen if he finished the work on the cross? What would happen? And then three days later, we crossed the great divide from the old covenant and the death burial and resurrection of the Lamb of God over into this side that we're now under the new covenant. Isn't that right? We are a new covenant people. We have a covenant with God through His Son, Jesus. Now, how many of you know when He got, when he was, got raised from the dead, when He was resurrected, Mary wanted to cling to Him. Jesus said, don't do that. I've not yet ascended. Go over into the latter part of John and he's meeting with his disciples, and, and, and doubting Thomas said, I'm not going to believe unless. Jesus said, touch me, Thomas. Oh, something happened between Mary and Thomas. Because he told Mary, I can, you can't touch me. I've not yet ascended. Said to Thomas, touch me. So between Mary and Thomas, here's what happened. Jesus Christ took his own blood and went into that eternal tabernacle in heaven and sprinkled the mercy seat for you and me so that now I don't have to receive judgment. I get mercy from Jesus because of his shed blood. Now, now listen, 
So he's done that now. So we're over here under the new covenant, not that one. The bill has been paid. Hallelujah. And those believers are debt free. Now watch what happens. Watch it. In John chapter 20, take your Bible. I want you to see this. And in verse 22, look at it quickly with me. See that verse 22. And when he had said them, said this, he breathed on them, them who? His disciples, the believers. He breathed on them the Holy Spirit. You know what it says? Now, you can, you can say whatever you want to say about that, because, and I think I may have said this at some point, but when I was in seminary, I found that scripture. I, I'd read it before, but how many of you know one day go, oh my God, there it is. So every time, Jeff, I'd find a professor, I'd say, can I talk to you? I, I, I want to ask you something. What's that mean? <laughs> now, these, are, these are great men. I don't mean to belittle that at all. These were great men, learned men, men of God. They loved God. They, 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 they gave me all kinds of answers. I'd say, what does it mean when he said, receive the Holy Spirit? I said, what does that mean? Well, I said, he's whetting their appetite. I thought, well, at least that's an answer, but that ain't, that ain't what he said. I mean, you know, it's hard to just to believe it, isn't it? I mean, and, and then one said, well, um, I, I think he's given them part of the Holy Spirit. And I used to think, I wonder what part? What part of the Holy Spirit did they get? So, so I mean, I ask, I didn't know tell how many professors I asked in seminary what that scripture meant. They go, basically, they said, Without saying it, I don't know. And so I was praying one day, and I said, Lord, what in the world does John twenty twenty two mean? I can't find anybody that knows. And I heard that little voice that I'm familiar with in my heart said, I know. Well, interesting, isn't that something? He knows. You know what he said to me? You go get your Greek. I was studying Greek at the time. He said, you go get your Greek New Testament, and I'll show you what it means. So I went and got it, and here's how it translates. This is what, come on, this is what, on, we're over here now. We're not over yonder. We're on this side of the cross. The blood has gone into the eternal mercy seat. Now, now, here's what it says in the original language. Receive you, the Holy Spirit, right here now. You know what that was to them? Their new birth. They were born again right here in this verse. So, watch this. So when some of them at least, when they got up in the upper room at Pentecost, they were not to get, get saved. They already been breathed on, just like what happened when you got saved. God went, and the Spirit of God lives in you. Every Christian here, if you're a believer, and not a churchgoer, but a believer, the Spirit of God lives in you, right? How many of you know, go to, I want you to see this in 1 Corinthians, let's see, chapter 12, I think it, yeah, it is, chapter 12, look at verse 13. Will you look at verse 13? <clears throat> in verse 13, Paul says, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Now, 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 now I'm not asking for your response, but look at it with me. For by one spirit, who's doing the baptizing? The spirit. By one spirit, we all are, that are Christians were baptized. Now, that's not water. 
The Spirit is baptizing us into the body of Christ. That's our salvation. Same thing that happened to these guys. Just differently. Paul is wording it different. For we, by one Spirit, were all baptized into one body, whether we're Jew, Greek, slaves, or free, free, don't matter. And we've all drank of one Spirit. So that's how we got saved. The Spirit of God baptized us. Hebrews said... uh, Even the elementary doctrines is the doctrine of baptisms, plural, not singular. Now, so here's, here's, let's just leave leave this here right now, now. Just leave it right here. Let's go over here with John. John comes preaching a message. What's his message? Now watch this. Go with me to Matthew chapter 3, and I'm not going to read but a couple of these for time's sake, but chapter 3. And verse 11. Look at it. Matthew 3, 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he, there's one of them buts again, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. Now watch this. Now watch it carefully. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's in your Bible, isn't it? Now, now, when you look at that, who's doing the baptizing? Jesus. Isn't that right? Who did the baptizing you into the body of Christ? The Holy Spirit. Who's doing the baptizing here? Jesus with the Spirit. One thing to have him, the Spirit, resident. Another thing to have him, president. Difference in residence and president. Now, and, and, and you go on four, four times in every gospel, in every gospel, John mentions, there's one coming behind me, and he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and two times, and with fire. Now, let's put this together. John's saying to all of us, there's one coming, and when he gets here, and I, I'm going to kind of, can I give it a little loose Missouri translation? When he gets here and finishes why he came, he's going to do something for those who have believed that could never have happened to them until they believed. He's going to, Jesus said, John said, Jesus is going to baptize those with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Well, I mean, I can stop here, and I will. <laughs> if you go back in the, in the Old Testament and, and see the tabernacle and temple, internally they were the same, externally they were not. One stationary, one was mobile, and we're not here to get into that. But the fact of the matter, there was the outer court, inner court, and the Holy of Holies, which was a replica or a model of us. We are spirit, soul, body. That's what we are. We are a spirit, we have a soul, it lives in a body. We are a triune being. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The temple, the tabernacle, the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies, right? In the Holy of Holies, where that giant curtain was, that some say was, the, was as thick as, as a man's hand, behind that was the Ark of the Covenant, and the angels arched with their wings like this, and above the mercy seat was the glory or the fire of God burning. Well, there came a time, 
Ezekiel records it. There came a time when the glory and the fire that was over that uh, mercy seat left the temple. The Bible says it very clearly. You go study about the 10th chapter, I think it is, of Ezekiel. And that, that glory and fire and presence went to the threshold of the temple, then went to the side of the mountain, and then went back into heaven, and for 400 years, it was dark on planet earth. Now listen to me carefully. Until there's some shepherds outside the walled city of Jerusalem. For the first time in 400 years. And the glory of the Lord shone upon them. And said to them, boys, I got some good news for you. See that? Okay. Now, and and so, so what happened? Now there's an introduction to a process. John's preaching the glory is now upon the, even the baby. But he will fulfill his purpose and destiny. As I said last night, his final assignment was the cross. Resurrection was the, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Now, if he's done all of that, why in this world do we sit around and twiddle our thumbs and wonder how in the world are we going to get this done? When the same God that said, light be, light was. <laughs> I mean, can, we, can, can you imagine... Can you imagine the Father speaking, which was the Word, and whatever He spoke, it was. He lives in you. You're kidding. You don't think this is about religion, do you? This is about a relationship with a God. I, I, I've been in Psalm four, I think Psalm 46 for a number of months and months and months and months. Be still and know. Actually, it translates... Be still and know me intimately. God said, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. When God says that, the Democrats, the Republicans, and the hypocrites are not going to stop it. Now, if I go back into this, and, and I want to, I, wanna, I want you to go on a journey with me, because here's what I want you to see. To whom can such a thing happen when does it happen and how does it happen? And if I can find that out, you know, to me, uh, there was a time in Florence, Alabama, they had an ice cream place that went out of business. And they served in that ice cream place. What was it? Turtle ice cream? What was it? What? White chocolate turtle. They're going to serve it at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Was the best ice cream I ever ate. Every time I ordered it, just about, I'd say to the lady that was waiting, I'd say, I want two scoops of, of, of turtle. Give me as much as you can without getting fired. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, I love, if you ever had it, I'm going to tell you, they'll make you howl at the moon at night. So it, it's wonderful ice cream. What, 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 I, what I did is I, I had such a hunger and a thirst, if you will, for that kind of ice cream. And here we are now. And, and, and this early church has now stepped into, watch this, they've stepped into an order. This is not the old order. It's a new order now. 
It's not just upon, but it's in. And in and upon together. You know, the amazing thing over here, the prophet, priest, and king had their anointing on them, but not in them. Watch this. Over here, <laughs> the prophet, priest, and king has an anointing on them and anointing in them. Well, the same spirit that raised him from the dead lives in every believer in this room. Now, in Acts chapter, I want you to go there, chapter 2. So let's hurry. I'm not going to keep you all night, but I'm, I'm telling you, God's about to do something. In Acts 2, look at verse 37. We talked about it a little bit at dinner. Look at, I'll just start in verse 37. When they heard this, 237, they were, and when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had not fallen upon none of them. They were only baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That is, that is two. Two sides of the same coin. They were saved and then baptized in the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? Now listen, the baptism of the Spirit don't get you to heaven. It gets heaven in you. Being born again gets you to heaven. The baptism of the Spirit gives the power of God in you to be what God ordained you to be. It's not, and I love that, it's not by might nor by power. My goodness. Uh, Everybody else is coming out of the closet. Why don't we? Come on now. Why don't the church of Jesus Christ just come on out of the closet? Go, I am the redeemed of the Lord, full of the Holy Ghost and power, and Jesus is Lord. Why not? I mean, if we got a we just put, I didn't, but somebody, we know who did, put in a Supreme Court justice that don't even know what a woman is. We need help. I'm telling you, I'm, we are talking about what the answer is. When the revival, and I've said this before, when the revival hit Asbury, I was not there. I came, I came in the aftermath of it. 1970, when the Spirit of God breathed on Asbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky, it was such a powerful thing. They were having... And, and, and that morning, they were having just a normal chapel service. And the Spirit of God blew into that meeting. Uh, two boys had stood up and testified. And the power of God fell. And they shut down the whole college. They couldn't have classes. God was on the campus. And as you would know, the liberal, theology, the liberal media, not the, the, the liberal media up in Lexington came down to write their little, this is nothing but a bunch of fanatics thing. Watch what happened. It's a true story. This guy from, I won't even tell you what press it was, but this guy from a press came down to write his little thing about this fanatical thing going on in Morrison's Auditorium on Asbury Campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. This is the truth. He pulled up in his car got out of his car and stepped on the ground and the conviction of the Lord was so strong in that revival he fell on his knees beside the car giving his heart to Jesus before he could ever get in there and write anything. Now wouldn't it be something if tonight every one of us left this full of the Holy Ghost and power and there's such an anointing on Hosanna, such an anointing on the region, such an anointing on heritage that people driving by said, I don't know why, I just pulled in here and when I pulled in there's something going on and I can't figure it out. But it's like God's in this house. Let me ask you, why not? 
Somebody tell me why not. Well, turn the page again. You go to the 10th chapter of Acts, the next one. You know the thing about Cornelius, Peter. Cornelius was a devout man, served God, loved God. He had a vision about Peter, sent for him. Peter came to Cornelius' house, and verse 44, a while Peter was still speaking these words, the Spirit of the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. Thank God we got in on it. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that they should be baptized? After they'd received the... Did you see God just messed up the theology of baptism regeneration? They got the baptism and then got baptized in water. <laughs> God has a way of missing, messing with our theology, doesn't he? Like Uncle Bud Robinson said one time when he read that scripture, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And Uncle Bud read that and goes, well, Lord, does that mean you ain't got no stable to put me in? He said, the Lord said, why no, but he said, well, that's what you said. How many of you know, ignorance can rule and reign when it comes to revelation. Doesn't mean we're ignorant, we just don't understand. But when you see that, to me, it's like daylight and dark. Nobody told me this. When I got saved, I mean, you know, I did have a fellow try to explain it to me, and I rebelled against him. I said, it ain't true. That ain't, that, that ain't right. But I mean, if you know, you can sit here tonight, and you can get in your car, and you can forget this message, but God, let me, let me tell you something. God has a ways and means committee, and it works well. 24-7, he loves us so much, he can get in the bed with you, he can go to work with you, He'll go on vacation with you. And somehow or another, I just can't shake it. Why? It's because God is the hound of heaven and he's on your trail and mine. Aren't you glad he loves us so much he won't leave us alone? Amen. Now, let, let me do one more real quick. In the 19th chapter, you know this one, this is even better than what I just read. In the 19th chapter, in the first seven verses uh, uh, of Acts 19, Peter is, uh, Peter, Paul is passing in the upper borders uh, of Ephesus and he finds some disciples there. Verse 2, he asks them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? <laughs> they said, uh, well, we, we never heard of that. It, it, you know, sad to say, churches are packed full of people every Sunday go, I never heard of that. But God has a ways and means committee. I don't know what it's going to take for the, the, the broad church in America to awake. But I'm going to tell you, God's going to wake us up some way, somehow. He loves us too much. In order, in order for this revival to come, that we'll, we will perpetually be awakened. So what did, what did Paul do uh, when they said, we never heard of that? They, and he said, under what were you baptized? John's baptism. John baptized with a baptism of repentance uh, to the people so they could believe on him who would come. Verse 5, then they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, how many you know he didn't baptize them until they believed? Let me ask you something. When he baptized them, were they believers? 
Okay? You have to know this. You've got to understand it this way. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Spirit of God came on and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. People, you know what scares people about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not that. It's tongues. Because the last thing God gets from you is your tongue. Because if he can get your tongue, he's got all of you. I can prove it to you in the Bible. You go, and people go, they often say to me, do you think you have to speak in tongues? I say, you get to. Do I have to kiss my wife for her to be my wife? I get to. Do you understand? If I walked over right now and kissed her and said, well, honey, I'm glad that's over. Have me to know I could walk home. <laughs> Have me to you know, when, when, when you want all he has, wh- why don't you want all he has? What would keep me from wanting everything yet? And I'm going to tell you, that the first thing is that's what gets people's attention. That's what turns some people off. The third thing, or the second thing, is they're afraid. They have fear. I, I, I love... What a brother said one time, one time he said, uh, when you pray for people, what if they don't get healed? He said, what does it do? <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> he, he said, if you don't take the credit, you don't have to take the blame. I kind of like that, don't you? Ain't no, you, you can't heal nobody. He does the healing. You're just the instrument God uses. And so what God wants to do with every one of us in this revival Remember, hunger, thirst, grain of wheat dead in the ground. Now I am presenting myself according to Acts 2. 1, 2, 3, and 4. I love it. Well, when I, when I, when I, read, when I read the book of Acts and uh, those uh, four verses there in Acts 2, and I've been there. I've had the privilege of being in that upper room. Can you imagine 10 days? They've been praying 10 days. Because it's working its way toward the Feast of Pentecost. And I say it again. Let me just set you free. To to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't make you Pentecostal. Come on now. It makes you Christian. Isn't that right? I mean... You go, he's a Pentecostal. You know the reason we call it Pentecostal? Because it happened on Pentecost. I don't know what we'd have called if it happened on Passover. You can figure that one out. (laughs) We are, when we get the baptism, we say, well, he's Pentecostal now. No, he has stepped into the privilege that he has in Christ Jesus to be full of the Holy Ghost and power. You go, well... Uh, who could get it? Well, let me ask you. And I wrote it down, and then I, I'll make a statement, and I'm going to share a little testimony, and then that, we're finished. Who is eligible for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Number one, if you've been born again. This is not for the world. This is for the Lamb's wife. Do, do, you, do you understand what it is to be part of the bride the bride of the Lamb of God, that some one day, one day in that eternal realm, in that eternal organ, sounds here come, da, 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 
that millions upon millions will march to the throne of the living God as the bride of the Lamb who's been blood-bought, washed by His own blood, full of the Holy Ghost and power, and will be forever and ever and ever and ever and ever in that eternal dimension where there is no sickness and pain. There is none of what we struggle with. That's the bride that we are. That bride has been born again. So, the question is, am I born again? Second, listen to me. Do you believe tonight this is for you? I don't know. I don't know if it's me or not. Well, it's okay. If you go out here and go, God's not going to quit loving you. I mean, the kingdom's not going to topple because you say no. But why don't you take advantage? (laughs) I want that. So do I believe it's for me? Third thing, am I willing to give myself to it? Am I willing to just say, Lord, here I am. Come on now. Have I been born again? Do, do, Do I believe this is for me? Am I willing to surrender to it? And, and so, so how do you get it by faith? If you can believe it's for you, you can believe you can receive it. Because I have, I have too many. I, I prayed for a, a lady the other night, not here, in another place. The Spirit of God was all over her. She looked at me sincerely. She said, I said, did you, did you pray for the baptism? Yes. Did you get it? She said, no. <laughs> I mean, she was emphatic. She said, no, I didn't get it. I said, why didn't you? She said, I don't feel a thing. That was her answer. I said, how'd you get saved? Can you imagine? Um, well, I, I feel like I'm saved. Well, what if you get up in the morning and you don't feel like you are? Listen to me about your feelings. Listen to me. I, and I'm going to talk about it Sunday morning a little bit. Lord willing. Feelings are God-given. God gave you the ability to feel because emotions and feelings are part of who you are. But don't, don't, don't get it all messed up. Listen to me. Your feelings and your emotions don't pull the train. It's not the engine. It's the caboose. <laughs> Can't you imagine? I just saw a train come by and had two cabooses pulling it. He's unlocked his mind because that ain't going to happen. You have engines pulling it. That's your faith. And the caboose is following. That's your feelings. And I wrote it down just before I came, actually. This is what I wrote down. Holy Spirit baptism is a gift from the Father through the Son for the Son's wife, the church. I got as saved as I ever could get saved. In February 1963, in a little, happened to be in a little white building stuck out in the country, happened to be a little Methodist church, and June got saved the same Sunday, and I got saved, and man, I knew I was saved. I mean, I went home on Monday. I mean, Monday when I went to work, I knew I was saved. I've never doubted the fact that I got saved. And, 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 and so four years later, June and I take our first church as the pastor. Uh, 
67. That would have made me 27. You talk about green. I mean, we're trying to kick the cows off. I'm so green. I don't, I don't know nothing. All I did every Sunday is read a scripture, give my testimony, and ask anybody that wanted to be saved. That was the minute that's the preaching they got. But that's all I knew. There's one thing about the Methodist Church. They're not noted for teaching you much. Not the one I was a part of. They were wonderful people, but they didn't teach you anything. It wasn't like we had Bible classes on the theology of justification or something. None of that. We had Sunday school books sent us to us by the conference, and we sat around in a Sunday school room, and he read one paragraph, and she read another paragraph, and when the time was up, we went out to preaching. We got a real education. So I didn't know anything, but I got saved, and I knew that. So we go into ministry. Six months later in the ministry, I start getting hungry. I don't, I don't mean just physically. I mean spiritually hungry, asking people, I was trying to find out, why am I hungry? Nobody knew. I didn't know anybody but one fellow that, who I later met that, that knew what was wrong. I was hungry. I, was, I said, is this all there is? Isn't there more? I mean, you know, there, there's got to be more than just this. And it, hey, Somebody help me. Do you know what it is? No, I don't know what it is. Until I found out a guy who knew. And when I found out that he knew, within two hours when I found out what he knew, I knew it too. Now I'm going to tell you, June talked about it at dinner night, all kinds of people respond differently to this message in responding to it. But, but, but for me, some people, they, are, they don't know, they go, I don't know, I'm, a, I'm afraid. I, I was too. So you know what I did? I went, we were li- living in the parsonage. I went in the back room, shut the door with nobody there but me. Just in case we had a visitor. Shut the door. Got down by an old green chair. And I said, Lord, if this is you, if this, is, if this baptism of the Spirit is real, I want it. And I'm asking for it now. I pulled off on the tongues. Scared the living daylights out of me. I'm scared to death, Pastor. This is what I said. God, you've ruined this Methodist preacher. That's what I, and he did. That began the journey. I didn't know anything about the experience. All I knew is I had the experience. Let me, let me say this to you. When June and I got married in June of 19, a long time ago, and, and the day we got married, let me just say, I will never be any more married than I was then, but I've learned a lot about it since then. When I got the baptism, I didn't know much about it, but I know more about it now than I did when I got it. The question is tonight, how much do I want it? And I'm, if I'm born again, do I want it? I, I do. But, what, but what, 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 what if I go back to my church and tell them I got it? You'll be like the lady that attended a church where they didn't believe in it. And she got it. And she was in the hospital visiting and ran into her pastor in the elevator and she told him what happened. He said, you can't get it now. She said, well, I got it. What am I going to do with it? 
How many of you know, listen to me, a man with an experience, it's never at the mercy of a man with an argument. Tell that to the blind man when they, when they cornered him. And when he said, oh, all I can tell you this, I was blind, now I see. What do you think about that? They throwed him out of the synagogue. See, there's certain things that can happen to you outside the church and nobody cares, but if it happens in the church, it can get you in trouble because we've not been taught correctly. That's the next level. When, when uh, Peter stood up after Pentecost, preached, pretty good sermon, I guess. But it was not the great sermon. It was what Peter stood up full of the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 said, I want that. Let me end right here. I was in East Africa at a 700-member Muslim boys' school. And you know Muslims and Christianity don't get along at all. And I don't know why I got assigned to go preach to 700 Muslim boys. And I took some college kids with me. When we got to the school, they was all gathered in this auditorium. And it was like a riot. They had stacked up chairs. Some of them were hanging on two by fours. and it, I've never been to anything like it. It was a riot going on. And, and we were going to lead some worship songs of some sorts. And they tried to sing. They were screaming and hollering at us so much we couldn't even sing. And I thought, we're going to have to shut this thing down. And this is what happened. I just walked up, and, and I just started telling them about Jesus. I said, and when I, I took about two minutes, and I said, how many of you? And this is what I said. They could, we, we could do English because they understood English. I said, how many of you have got enough guts to say yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior? Nobody. In a minute. One old boy had his arm over a tuba six, actually. He went, I said, there's one. And then there was another. And then another. And another and another. And the next morning when I went to breakfast, the, the, the African that was facilitating our being there came up to me with tears gushing down his face. I said, John, why, why are you crying? He said, you don't know? I said, no, sir. He said, Two, 200 Muslim boys came to my house last night who had given their heart to Jesus. If we're going to win our world, it's going to take what we're talking about tonight. You understand what I'm saying? In, in, in power and demonstration. I believe it. I believe this house I believe in you. I believe your being here tonight was not by accident. If you're hungry tonight, you've been born again. I believe with all my heart this is for me. I'm willing to give my heart to it. And I, by faith, before I ever get up, say it's mine. In the name of Jesus. Darcy is going to come. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Hmm. Lord, I, first of all, Lord, I, th th these are some of the most precious folks, and you know my heart, and you know them. For each of all of us, for each of us, you 
love us as if we were the only one to love. And Lord, I know that there's many in this house that are hungry for what I talked about tonight. And I ask you, Lord, to take, I just say that fear that's, that grips them. In the name of Jesus, I curse that fear at its root so that you will be free to do what is in your heart. So, Lord, I thank you for every precious person here, everyone, Lord, that's uh, hungry for what I've talked about tonight. This life-changing, eternal experience of the Holy Spirit.